Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. And every year, the Economist Intelligence Unit, a division of the Economist Media Group, uh, conducts research into the health of democracy around planet Earth. It's called the Economist Democracy Index, and 2023's report was released recently, or rather the report on 2023. There's a lot of interesting data in there, uh, among it that uh, Asia is the most dynamic region of the world in terms of economic growth, but continues to lag behind in terms of democratisation. Joan Hoey is the editor of the 2023 Democracy Index report and joins me now from London. Joan, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me. Tell us a bit about the Democracy Index, first of all. What does it seek to do? What it tries to do is uh, provide a snapshot of the state of democracy around the world, and it covers um, 165 independent states and two territories. That's more or less the entire population of the world and the vast majority of the world's states. Um, it's what we would call a thick measure of democracy. Uh, so it's based on a 0 to 10 scale, and it comprises five categories. So what we're looking at for every country is electoral process and pluralism, functioning of government, political participation, political culture, and civil liberties. So those five categories. Now, based on its scores on uh, 60 indicators across these five categories, each country is then classified as one of four types of regime, which is a full democracy. Those are countries with scores above 8.0 on this 0 to 10 scale, uh, or a flawed democracy, or you could call it a non-consolidated democracy. Those are countries with scores between 6 uh, and 8. Um, or a hybrid regime. Those are countries with scores between four and six. Those are countries with some elements of democracy, but also elements of um, authoritarianism mm -hmm. or a lack of freedom. Uh, and finally, we have authoritarian regimes, which are countries with scores between zero and four. Um, and so it's a thick measure and it's based on the view, the model is based on the view that there's a spectrum along which countries are more or less democratic or more or less authoritarian. And, it, and so it allows for a differentiation of scores among all types of uh, political regimes and countries. And it's actually, it's relatively strict in terms of um, the application of that data and what constitutes full democracy. Very few countries are, are considered full democracies. Uh, I think some 14, tw there are 24 countries, 14% so of the countries surveyed. And even countries that might be viewed as sort of bastions of democracy, like the United States, are not considered full democracies. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I've explained the, the scoring uh, system. Um, I mean, the good news is that um, last year uh, the number of democracies increased by two. Um, two hybrid regimes uh, went up uh, in terms of their score and became flawed democracies. So um, 
Altogether, there's 74 democracies, um, and um, out of the 167 countries that we cover, uh, as you say, that's 24 full democracies, countries with scores above eight. Yes, so it's um, it's a, a strict criteria um, based on these 60 um, indicators, were well, a, a demanding one, but it's mm. also um, you know, allows for, as I say, this differentiation, even within the full democracy classification, we can see, you know, the big differences between those at the top of the rankings and those towards the bottom, you know, towards the flawed democracy um, end of the scale. Let's talk a bit about uh, the 2023 index. Um, the headline, I suppose, uh, things are in a bit, a bit of a backward slide, and that's continuing a, a, a trend that has stretched nearly a decade now. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, some of your listeners may be familiar with this term, democracy recession, which was coined by um, Larry Diamond, a US political scientist. Um, and and that's certainly the trend, um, has been the trend in the democracy index over the past decade and, and, and more. Um you know, with obviously some ex- exceptions um, across regions and within countries. But overall, the index score has been declining. And last year, uh, it fell to 5.23, down from 5.29. That's the global average on this 0 to 10 scale. Um, so not a, a great year, um, again, for democracy and, and, and rather disappointing because we might have expected more of a rebound after the pandemic years when there was this big rollback of individual freedoms. Um, and it hasn't really happened. Only 32 countries improved their index score in 2023 and 68 registered a decline and, and 67 countries, their scores stayed the, the same. Um, so, yeah, not not a great year. And in terms of um you know, drivers of of that aggression. A big focus of the report this year is about the rising incidents of violent conflict Mm -hmm. around the world and how that's affecting democracy. Um, That's badly denting the the score for many countries and especially in particular regions in Latin America, in sub-Saharan Africa, obviously in the um, Middle East uh, as well. Um, So, you know, that's that's one um, driver and we can talk about what's happened in the different regions, um, what's happened to the, uh, I mean, the score for every single region um, uh, declined in 2023, with the exception of Western Europe, whose score um, just erodes by, you know, very modest um, yeah. uh, amount. Mm. Well, yeah. Um, I, uh, oh, I was just going to say, sorry, let, go let's, let's get into those regions because um, – the, the parts of the world with the lowest scores in terms of the democracy rating t- um, tend to be in, in Northern Africa and the Middle East. But your commentary on this focuses closely on Asia. I would like to talk about that um, because this is such an interesting part of the world geopolitically and increasingly economically. That's sort of the e- the economic growth engine of the world at the moment, isn't it, is in Asia? It is indeed. And... Um uh, yes, yeah, a very important shift that we've seen, obviously, over the past decade and more, where the balance of economic power in the world is shifting, has shifted very decisively from um, the West to, to the East and to Asia. And not only, of course, um, uh, uh, with the rise of, of, of China, um, but um, many other countries in the Asia region um, are... are um, 
really exhibiting a kind of dynamic growth compared with um, uh, the more mature, you know, developed economies of the of the West. But we're not seeing a paralleling growth in terms of transparent democracy. This this isn't really increasing in line with economic growth, which um, may, maybe we thought that there was a, a, a correlation there in the past. Um, yeah, I mean this this uh, question of the causality of democracy and and uh, economic or socio economic development is. I mean, it's a difficult area. It's inconclusive. Mm. I mean, there does seem to be a strong correlation between levels of GDP per head uh, and the quality of democracy. So in our index, for example, you can see that the richest and most developed economies in the world make up most of the full democracies classified by the index. So this predominance of uh, OECD countries among those classified as full democracies and, of, and also of many upper middle income countries among the flawed democracies suggests that levels of economic development is or can be a significant factor in democratic development. But it's clearly not straightforward um, and there's no absolute correlation. I think that other factors clearly are quite important in determining um, democratic development, the quality of democracy. And one of those is, for example, a history of independent statehood. Mm. Um, that's um, seen to be you know, pretty decisive quality of state institutions. Also, the existence of political stability or the absence of um, political instability. Um, and the same can be said for um, uh, um, absence of, of war um, and conflict. That's another uh, theme that's addressed in the report this year. So all these other factors also appear to be important determinants of economic uh, growth. Um, so as I say, it's not um, it's not a linear uh, relationship. The, the, the... And and as we see, China's you know I, I guess the best example of that a country um, which is a, you know an authoritarian uh, political uh, regime. Um, that has um, managed to achieve this, um, you know, quite incredible economic growth and development over the past few decades. This, um, this may be sort of a, a generalisation, but th this report, and, and I suppose, you know, the spectre of China lurking in the background of this question as well, this report, and perhaps many Western nations as well, you know, seem to operate from the assumption that democracy is inherently desirable. Um, but have you ever paused and reflected on on whether that is the case? Because you know some China, some China uh, experts or sympathisers with with China's political system might say, well, there might not be much political choice here, but there is at least political stability. Um, and I mean, is that an argument that you hear? Well, yes, of course. I mean, um, actually, a couple of years ago. Um not last year, the year before the report, I, I, I did a, the theme of that report was, it was called the China Challenge. Hmm. And uh, usually I do this uh, thematic, you know, essay. And this past year was about um, democracy, war and peace, or the relationship between democracy and conflict. In that um, edition, which was in 2021, it was called the China Challenge and just addressed this whole question really of um the China model versus the the Western model. So the main claim, obviously, of the Chinese system over its Western counterpart is that it 
facilitates fast and efficient decision making, long-term planning to maximize you know, economic returns. Mm. It provides stability and security. Um, and of course, um, to do that, it, the system depends on the elimination of any kind of mechanism of democratic uh, accountability. So the Chinese leaders would say that Western electoral democracy produces inferior leaders, time-wasting deliberations, lots of gridlocks, um, and, and, and so on. And we can see for sure that the democratic governance model does not always uh, work that well. I mean, in some places it works very well and produces uh, excellent um, uh, results. Um, so, you know, what what the Chinese model, I guess you could say, is doing is prioritizing order, you know, mm. and security, political security uh, and economic security, but order over democracy and freedom. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. Okay. Uh, it scores, obviously China scores zero on electoral process and pluralism. It scores, um, it doesn't score very well on civil liberties and, and so on. So hmm. now democracy, it's, there Joan, is a I'm, tension there. I'm, I'm terribly yeah. sorry, Joan, Joan, but we've we've run out of time, I'm afraid. We're coming up to the 11 o'clock hour, but it's been lovely chatting to you this evening. Um, really interesting stuff. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.